Welcome to the Arlington Street Church podcast. Boston Sanctuary since 1729, Arlington Street continues today as a gathering place for progressive people of faith in the Boston metropolitan area and beyond. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. We're located at the corner of Arlington and Boylston Streets in downtown Boston, Massachusetts. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. Kim and I are perched in the loft of our friend Teresa's house overlooking the kitchen. It is Teresa's 50th birthday. A dozen of us have spent the better part of the last hour bearing armloads of food and drink from where we have hidden our cars down the road and laying out a feast. Now it's time to turn off the lights, hide, and wait to surprise her. We're silent as Teresa and Ed pull up in their driveway, having circled back from their way out to dinner, allegedly to pick up Ed's forgotten wallet. Teresa walks alone down the dark walk to the dark house. Up in the loft, someone whispers, does anyone know if she likes surprises? (laughs) I love surprises, good surprises, both on the giving and receiving ends. I love being happily jolted out of the ordinary to the extraordinary, sudden surprises, and I Love those surprises when you slowly but surely realize what's unfolding, believe it or not. One of my favorite teachers, the Benedictine monk, Brother David Stendhal Rost writes, have you ever noticed how your eyes open a bit wider when you're surprised? It's as if you had been asleep, merely daydreaming or sleepwalking through some routine activity, and all of a sudden, you're awake. Humdrum equals deadness, he says. Surprise equals life. The old hymn begins, Open mine eyes that I may see glimpses of truth thou hast for me. Open mine eyes, illumine me, spirit divine. Brother David Stendhal Ross says, My favorite name for the one I worship in wonder is surprise. Surprise, it's an interesting name for God. Our friend Teresa was truly surprised by her party and incredibly gracious, laughing in shock as the lights came up and we serenaded her with our best off-key version of Happy Birthday. She was immediately fully present to the gift of the big change in plans. If she had been looking forward to an intimate evening with her husband, she let it go without a trace, giving herself to our raucous song and dance fest. And I wondered then, as I wonder now, what if we could train ourselves to accept every moment just like this? wide-eyed, awake, and curious, interested rather than fearful of what comes next.
Ralph Waldo Emerson wrote, the dice of God are always loaded. Feeling baffled is a waste of time. Reviewing what brought us to this moment, the place in which we find ourselves, surprised or otherwise, is almost certainly only minimally useful. But opening to whatever it is that life is proffering right now can make us radiantly alive. If only because suddenly our life will appear to us as it really is. Fragile, brief, unspeakably precious, and full of surprises. Surprise is characterized as messy, but it is also kind of a pure state, heart open and undefended. Jesuit priest Pierre Teilhard de Chardin wrote, purity does not lie in separation from the universe, but in the deeper penetration into the universe. The world is filled and filled with the absolute. To see this is to be made free. When it unlocks our capacity for gratitude, surprise can set us free. I hope I remember this story correctly. It was told to me by my friend, my late friend Peter Fleck, who with his wife, Ruth, escaped the Nazi invasion of Holland and made a new home here. Peter had a friend who lived in terror of the Gestapo. Yet, when this friend was arrested, rather than being plunged into fatefulness and depression, he said, now the time of dreadful waiting is over. The time of hope has begun. How anyone could have felt anything remotely like hope in those circumstances is far beyond my spiritual acuity. But there is something so beautiful in this. Imagine surprise, even terrible surprise, as a directive to trust in life. Again, first century Roman poet Horace, carpe diem, quam minimum credula postero, seize the day, putting as little trust as possible in the future. Embracing surprise is, at its heart, the spiritual practice of assuming nothing and taking nothing for granted. I hop into my car with just enough time to get to a meeting. The battery is dead. It only needed to happen to me once to inspire me to gratitude now every single time the engine turns over. A man describes his work as uninteresting. Amazingly, not many months later, when millions have lost their jobs, he finds himself thankful to have work at all, thankful and humbled. 
A woman befriends a man whose child is so disabled she will never have the capacity to respond to him in any meaningful way. Once angry with her inattentive children, the woman feels grateful for them, grateful that she might choose to improve her relationship with them. Embrace surprise and take nothing for granted. This is the heart of gratitude. If you have ever spent time in the emergency room or in the hospital with people who are very sick, you know you can almost always find someone whose grave situation inspires you to shoulder bravely through the difficulty you are encountering. When we watch the news, there are 10,000 examples in a single broadcast, reminding us that even facing something grim in our own life, we are indeed in the great company of the bereaved. Even devastated, you are not alone. Wise teachers remind us never to go to bed angry and to tell the people we love that we love them, to live as if we may never pass this way again. The story is told of an 18th century Hasid who wept every morning as he left his wife and children to head for work. When a friend asked him why he cried, he answered, when I begin my work, I call out to God, and then I pray, have mercy on me. Who knows what the Lord's power will do to me in the moment after I have invoked it, but before I beg for mercy. Brother David Stendhal Rost once writes, once we stop taking things for granted, our bodies become some of the most surprising things of all. It never ceases to amaze me that my body both produces and destroys 15 million red blood cells every second. 15 million. I am told that the blood vessels in my body, if lined up end to end, would reach around the world. Yet my heart needs only one minute to pump my blood through this filigree network and back again. It has been doing so minute by minute, day by day, he continues, for the past 75 years, and still keeps pumping away at 100,000 beats every 24 hours. Obviously, this is a matter of life and death for me. Yet I have no idea how it works, and it seems to work amazingly well in spite of my ignorance. Brother David Stendhal Rost is now 83 years old. His heart is still working. In 2005, after the devastation of the deluge, Arlington Street created a partnership with First Unitarian Universalist Church of New Orleans and committed to help them rebuild. This past week, thanks to the extraordinary generosity of this beloved community, we returned to New Orleans and installed a drip irrigation system in a large community garden in the Lower Ninth Ward. On our last day, we quit at mid-afternoon and headed to Jazz Fest, which was, as always, spectacular. 
Legendary tenor saxophonist Sonny Rollins is back in New Orleans to play the fest this year. His is an amazing story. Theodore Walter Rollins was a teenage sax prodigy in Harlem's Sugar Hill. Under the influence of Charlie Parker and the tutelage of Thelonious Monk, Sonny Rollins played with other jazz greats such as Bud Powell and Miles Davis. In the 1960s, he dropped out of the music scene and traveled to Japan and India to study yoga, meditation, and Eastern philosophy, then returned to New York to play jazz fusion in the 70s and 80s and world music in the 90s. He was 71 years old when he heard the World Trade Center collapse a few blocks away and was evacuated from his home with only his sax in hand. Five days later, he came to Boston to give a concert which was recorded live at the Berklee School of Music. In 2006, he won a Grammy for This Is What I Do Without a Song, the 9-11 concert. Here's some of what Sonny Rollins said in a Jazz Fest interview. The thing about the night of the 9-11 concert at Berkeley is that everybody was so shaken by what had happened, not just the audience, but the musicians as well. We were all in another world. I had been in our apartment in New York, and when I got to where my wife Lucille was, my legs were all rubbery after walking down 40 flights of stairs in the dark. So I couldn't even think about a concert, but Lucille insisted that we do it. 9-11 was quite an experience for me. He continues, I learned so much. I learned that my possessions don't matter. I'd been living in that apartment for almost 30 years, and I had a lot of books and stage clothes, musical instruments. 90% of it was destroyed. I lost all of that, and I was really mad about it. And then I came to realize, wait a minute, those are just material things. That's not what life is about. That was a big surprise. That was a big revelation for me. I remember when we were being evacuated, they wanted me to get on that evacuation bus. There were some old ladies, he says. Keep in mind, he's 71. There were some old ladies that lived in our building and they were sitting there very calmly, and here I was, all upset, and I thought, I should be ashamed of myself. Then I noticed how everybody was so kind to each other. It was remarkable to see it. Sonny Rollins concludes, many New Orleans musicians who lost everything in the flood came to the same revelation. Surprise. Life is festive. Life isn't all disaster. Alice Walker writes, expect nothing. Live frugally on surprise. One more story, you know it. Zen Master Hawkween praised for his pure living but when the young woman whose family owned the little grocery store in his neighborhood found herself pregnant and named Hakuin as the father, everything changed. Angrily, her parents confronted the Zen master. He listened attentively. Is that so? He asked. When the child was born, it was brought to him. 
Though people would hardly speak to Hakuin, over the next year he cared for the baby with great tenderness. Finally, the young woman could stand it no longer and told the truth. The father of the child worked in the fish market. Her parents returned at once to Hakuin, begging his forgiveness and requesting the return of the child. Again, the Zen master listened attentively. He took the child into his arms and handed it to the grandparents, saying simply, Is that so? Is that so? Beloved spiritual companions, surprise equals life. May our eyes be opened to the gifts of the present. Spirit divine. Let us cast our lot with goodness and as far as possible take nothing for granted. Awake and curious, may we welcome the future and may surprise unlock our capacity for gratitude and set us free. <laughs>